it took me, I think, five weeks to gather eight leads. I just got no leads of any sort. And my first week was in a snowstorm. So I'm out there just absolutely freezing. Like, I mean, the, the, the first few weeks were just a serious challenge of, uh, you know, challenge my willpower. Cause it was like, I'm just out there knocking on door after door after door in the freezing cold, getting absolutely no results. Um, so that was challenge one that I had to overcome was just staying positive and being like, it's going to happen. It's going to work. We're going to get through it. Uh, meanwhile, you know, hearing, oh, this person's already booked 15K in, in work. This person's already got 100 leads, so on and so forth. So that was that was challenge one. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show and please don't forget to share this with your friends. We're on a mission to make sure everyone can figure out their careers before it's too late. And that means your friends too. Today, we got a great show, maybe the longest show we've done, but it's worth listening because it's incredibly funny. We got Jack Schwablin on the show. He's the program manager of sales enablement for Fly Homes. So Fly Homes makes home buying easy. You can be a cash buyer if you use Fly Homes. And he's going to talk about what is the program manager of sales enablement going to talk about what he does in real estate. His definition of excellence is superior skills plus moral character. He's going to talk about his five steps of what happens when you're lost or you're on the wrong path. He's got the solution for you. And we're going to get into how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Jack, thank you for making time coming down the mountain there in Denver. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you, and we're going to dive right in. You've got one of those jobs that nobody's ever heard of before, but everybody wants to do. And we got to put a little shout out to Arjunair for telling you to come on the podcast because Fly Homes wants to recruit some people that used to work at CollegeWorks, which is part of the reason we're doing this. But this is a gift to the world, and we're going to get to giving. What is your definition of excellence, Jack Schwabeland? Excellence. So I, I like that you ask what your definition uh, is, because I do think excellence is like is really subjective. To me, excellence means being a person, or, or to be excellent is to be a person of strong moral character who also possesses superior skill. So it's that combination of that, you know, kind of moral fortitude, but also being excellent at something. And those two things are what I think make an excellent person. Okay. So I always try to challenge it. And by the way, your definition, we can go look it up on the internet and figure out the Webster's definition. I've done, I don't know how many episodes this is. You might be like number 66 or 67. I don't think I've ever gotten the same definition of excellence. So I like uh -huh. to hear everybody's. There are some similar 
ties. So every yeah. once in a while, I get that moral focus. And I first thing that pops in my mind, because I like to challenge people. So mm-hmm. could you be just a total dirtbag and excellent? So let's think about some sports players. Um, how about oh, that? I, I got I got one for you. How about Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby. <laughs> so he was an ex- he wasn't an excellent comedian or because he had no morals, it erases the excellence. Well, that's so that's that's what I would ask is is so he was re- remarkably skilled comedian, you know, an all time great in that regard. He was a good actor by your average Joe standards, remarkably skilled actor. But would you consider him an excellent person? Well, do you have to be an excellent person to be excellent at a function? Uh, no, I that that I don't think so. I think you can be excellent at something, but when I think of excellence, if we're if we're talking about being excellent, living in a state of excellence, it's not just being excellent at something; it is all around being excellent, and that's where I think that moral character factors in. And that's where we get into some of the common uh, uh, common def- co- common elements of the definition. And I'm I like it. I like how you do this. You challenge me a little bit and you come up with your own examples. I like that. So you have to spin all the plates. So uh, this guy, Warren Rustin, what said a failure, a success, a failure in at home eclipses all success in business. Um, shout out to Warren Rustin out there in Arizona. If you ever listen to this podcast and I've never forgot, he said that I always wanted to be the best dad I could be. And God, I hope I'm not the best dad I could have been. I hope I could have done better, but I yelled too much and I got too aggressive. And I now I'm trying to pay it forward and make sure people don't do that. And if you're listening to me, son, if you're listening to me, Kennedy, I'm sorry about not being perfect. I think my parents were perfect. I got spanked a couple of times. I got yelled at a few times, but I was pretty rough. My kids weren't too rough. But, you know, I try to be the best dad. Try to be yeah. the best husband. God, I'm not the best husband either. Oh, no. Now I'm starting to list off my failures, but I'm trying. So I'm on the edge of excellence, though. This isn't called, hey, excellent. It's called the edge of excellence. Um, right. Community impact. You know, I was talking to uh, one guy about his son today. I talked to two people about their careers yesterday. I'm trying to impact the community. And you got to keep the spit, the plate spinning. It's not good enough to just be great at being a program manager of sales enablement. You, that's Correct. easy. It's easy to yeah. spin one plate. You got to be great at everything. So when you throw that moral thing in there, that moral thing ties the rest of the world to you and you have superior skills, maybe in one area, but you can become excellent because you've got that moral character that's applying to all sorts of areas. I love it. Um, we're going to dive right in. You work there at flyhomes.com. Um, you are the program manager of sales enablement which nobody knows what the hell that means. So we're going to get into what is a program manager of sales enablement, what the hell you have to do to become that, why that's such a cool job. We're going to talk about Fly Homes, which is based in Seattle and covers all major cities. And they help buyers make cash offers. And if you're thinking about getting a house and you're not a flipper, this might be a great place to go. But before we get there, we got to go not so far back in time, Jack. You're pretty young. What was life like in high school and college for you? How did you see yourself and how did you find your path to rapidly moving up in this uh, in this business at such a young age? Yeah. All right. Starting with high school. High school was high school was was pretty chill for me. Uh, My parents are my parents are laid back folks and a lot of their energy rubbed off on me in that regard. So I would say uh, we'll probably spend more time talking about college. Uh, Because for most of high school, I I mostly just longboarded around town with my friends, 
played some video games, you know, did that whole thing. The one notable thing from high school uh, was I actually, I, I guess I, I was one of the few kids who managed to monetize playing video games. So maybe that was a little indication that I was going to have some hustle in me. But uh, so a couple of my friends and I founded a, like a Minecraft server, which uh, if you're are you familiar with the game Minecraft, uh, it's like an open sourced, uh, you know, as an open source API. So you can like alter the game. Did you just ask me, you're practicing age discrimination. You think just because I look like I'm 27, I act like I'm 27, I feel like I'm 27, but I really am 50. I don't know what Minecraft is. Of course I know what Minecraft is. I have a kid that's 20 years old. Yeah, over a billion people bought Minecraft. I'm, I, I, I'm sure everyone knows. It has, a, it has an open API, meaning that you can alter the game. And so uh, a couple of my friends and I worked with a developer to basically create this like this different game within uh, Minecraft just because we thought it would be cool, but ended up actually kind of hitting with some people and some major YouTubers were playing, you know, our, our game type and everything. And so in this like wild whirlwind of a year, we had, uh, you know, we had like a couple million players come on our, our server uh, and, you know, it was like, became very popular, was all over YouTube for a little bit. And then, and then it totally collapsed because we did not run a business. <laughs> so you know, there was there was that one thing I think that was notable in high school, but otherwise very chill, laid back high school experience of just longboarding and hanging out. Okay, so we're gonna pause for a second here. Uh, were you in Maryland for high school? Yes. Okay, so you're living in Maryland. You're eating crabs. You're cruising around the Chesapeake Bay, sailing all the time, dealing yes, with some yeah. severe cold weather, watching <laughs> all those movies about the Russians nuking us, and wondering if you're gonna blow up because every movie seems to focus on bombing Maryland. You're skateboarding on your longboard because you're not a freestyler and you don't like the parks. Were you getting good grades? Uh, I was, I mean, I was getting fine grades. Depends on your definition of good. Certainly. Oh, by the way, my definition of good is grades that are good for you. So for some people, you better have a 5.0 because that's easy. Um, But if you're struggling and B's, a bunch of B's and an A here and there is is good for you. That's good. But I was more thinking in the in the terms of the traditional. How the heck do you get into University of Maryland if you're not pumping out a 4.0? But you weren't a 4.0 student. So did the did the development of that Minecraft uh, support game help you get into college? Did you use that as a method to uh, write your essay or to help you get in? Yeah, I wrote some stuff about it in my essays. Yeah, my grades, my grades were fine enough to help me get into school, but they weren't anything to like about it. They weren't so, the things that got you into school. Maybe the essay about the video game was. I, I'd say it's more likely that my essay and my test scores got me in more than my grades. Do you know that my sweet angel little brother, who I call Pequeño, because that means small, his his wonderful wife, who he met in Bolivia during the Peace Corps, his path to excellence mm-hmm. uh, came through the Peace Corps, went to University of Maryland. Really? That's awesome. Oh, she did. He didn't. She went oh, to university she and, she, and she got a master's degree there. So soft spot, soft spot for University of Maryland in my heart, plus my angelic, wonderful, lovely, huggable, cute, and also sloppy business partner. Jeff lives in Maryland. So uh, I do <laughs> yeah. love Maryland. So you get OK grades. You got this video yeah. game thing going. You're mastering the easy art of standing on a piece of plywood rolling down the street. Probably oh, you yeah. had some long hair back then, I bet, if you're a longboarder. It was much longer than it is now, although it's actually going to be longer again soon. I'm growing back out. Okay, you go for it. You go for it. (laughs) 
So you get into the University of Maryland. So maybe in high school you were dab. Did, did you did you think in high school, hey, I'm crushing it? Did you think in high school, God, I'm going to conquer the world? Or did you think in high school, wow, I wonder what's going on here? Or were you not even thinking about it? You know, I think for the first for the first half of high school, I wasn't even really thinking. You know, then when I started. Then when I started doing that server stuff, I really did feel like I was crushing it because it's like everyone's playing video games, but I'm the one from the one who's out here making money playing video games. So that was like, you know, I, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder then. Uh, but then after that crashed and burned, that was a bit a little bit of like, a, oh, man, OK, so that crashed and burned. Maybe I wasn't so good at that. And that's what that's when I had a little bit of a of just like, a, what I don't know, you know, kind of phase. And that lasted through like the first half of college, really. How, how much? How much, how important do you think it is to think that you're crushing it when you're young to enable you to crush it later? So important. So important. Um, I would, I mean, I would argue even before high school, it's really, um, I've thought about the the whole concept of when I was, when I was a kid uh, or in, in, in my school system, there were uh, GT and standard classes and GT stood for gifted and talented which I think is the most ludicrous thing that you tell one group of kids, <laughs> you're gifted and talented. And you tell the other group you're of not. kids, you're standard. You know, it's like, I'm told you're killing it. You're gifted and talented. So I, I think that is absolutely fundamental in having the confidence to, uh, and then especially when you're taking actions of your own accord, um, it's absolutely fundamental to have uh, some experience uh, that gives you that confidence to, to move forward in life when things get more and more challenging. Yeah. So if you're a parent listening right now, you got your kid in an elite private school on the hill in Newport Beach and and uh, he he got into that school, which most people can't get into. But he's struggling a little bit and he thinks he's not as smart. You're doing him a disservice. And I was just talking to a friend of mine who lives next door to Palmer Lucky, who I'm sure you know who Palmer Lucky is. He lives next door to him in a thirty five million dollar house. And he was telling me that. He had his kid at this elite private school and his kid just didn't like it, moved him to an easier school, which same thing happened to me. I went to an elite private school. I was struggling, even though I'm a damn genius. And I moved to a, a different school where all of a sudden I felt like the smartest person at the school, whereas before I didn't. And I think it's so important for people in high school, especially now with all this pressure, they think they're stupid if yeah. they're not crushing it. So put them in an, don't put them in an AP class if they're going to get a C. Make them feel they're crushing it because that belief in yourself is such an important part of the path to excellence. And if they're not good at grades, who gives a shit? Like my son yeah. doesn't get great grades. He gets pretty good grades, but man, he's the best negotiator I've ever seen in my life. Man, he's the best at figuring things out. Find out what they're the best at and make sure they understand it. So you got this big win. You're feeling cloud nine. Luckily, right at the time you go to college, then it falls apart. So you get to experience that dip that you'll experience a million times as a human being. Life goes up and down. You got to dig your way out of it. So what was life like in, in college? What were you doing in college? You said the first two years you weren't feeling too good about yourself. What happened then? What, what happened in the first two years? What happened then? Yeah, well, really, really more the first year and a half. And, uh, you know, it's it's convenient that we're on a CollegeWorks podcast here or one or, or one that supports CollegeWorks. But uh, because the, the thing that got me out of it was doing CollegeWorks. But um, wait a second. Did CollegeWorks save your psyche? It, it totally did. OK, so I, I got to pause here. If you did CollegeWorks and it didn't work out for you, who cares? My brother was chief of staff of Microsoft. He failed at CollegeWorks. So it could be one of those blips down. It could be one of those blips up. 
But I'm I'm always stoked when people call up and say college work is one of the things that lifted them out of a, a psychological funk. Also, if you're in a psychological funk, it's hard to be successful. So it's okay to not do great at college works. I know you'd rather do great, but it's okay. In your case, you did great and it helped lift you up and give you that confidence again. So find something oh, yeah. to give yourself confidence. What was going yeah. on with you? Yeah, totally. It totally gave me confidence. So uh, the, 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 one of the biggest things for me going into college was, so there was, there was the whole thing with the, the server crash and burn and that, that was like, okay, whatever. I didn't feel great, but moved on. I went to college originally for, uh, I wanted to do aerospace engineering so that I could learn about uh, like lightweight composites and things and be, and become a Ferrari engineer because I, you know, I love cars. Do they hire non-Italians to be Ferrari engineers? Uh, yeah, I think they hire a fair number of Germans. So I was hoping that. I no, they do that. not. <laughs> Italians do not hire Germans. <laughs> yeah, they have a few Germans on the team for sure. And so I was hoping maybe my last name would get me in there. But yeah, I wanted to be a Ferrari engineer. And so that's when I, you know, I went to school. I, I started, you know, down that engineering path and like relatively quickly into school, just started to realize like I'm an engineer, you know, like. Uh, I was in these. I was in this one really hands-on class where we did a, a, a project with a group of people, as you would, you know, as a professional engineer. And I was just looking at these guys and just like, they just have something about them that I just don't have. Like they seem like engineers, and and this just doesn't feel right to me. But this had been the thing I was dreaming about for years as to what I actually wanted to do with my life was like go be a Ferrari, and so. Going, uh, coming out of freshman year, like uh, engineering crashed and burned. You know, I, I didn't like totally flunk out, but I wasn't doing great academically. And I, and I also was having this like personal realization of like, clearly I am not on a personal level fit for engineering. So I, uh, I, I felt really, really just like lost my first semester of sophomore year coming in, you know, in college. And, uh, and then my second semester is when I found College Works, and that was the first thing after kind of having this dream I had had for years, like go away. Uh, College Works was the first thing where I was like, maybe I have some direction again, you know, and maybe I can, you know, I, I, I can do this, and I can I can learn about business, and you know, I, I'll do that, you know, and and that was a huge thing for me. Okay, so since since College Works is only in the Midwest. And if you're in the Midwest, go look up collegeworks.com. But this podcast is for the world. And in a lot of ways, it's for people that can't do college works because college works is only in the Midwest. You had a similar experience to me. I always wanted to be a lawyer. Everybody told me I should be a lawyer. I got the gift of gab. I should be a lawyer, except I don't follow rules and I don't care about spelling, detail, punctuation, which makes you a really bad lawyer. Like I can't yeah. sit there and fight with the judge in court. So when I found out, when I found business, also through College Works, it was kind of a relief for me. It's like, oh, I was pigeonholed into this one thing, and I've started to realize I'm not that person. And you started to realize you're not that person. Did you find yourself feeling lost, or did you totally. find kind of a sense of relief? Lost, you said. After, after, uh, totally lost. Uh, after realizing I wasn't going to be an engineer because I had no alternative and I hadn't found something yet uh, that could be an alternative. So how'd you get through that moment, that moment in time where you're feeling lost, you're feeling sad. Maybe you felt, Oh, I'm not one of these people. They're better than me. How did you get through that mentally? Well, there's one, there's the, the most uh, single moment, uh, most single powerful moment from that experience was uh, after failing 
I think five tests uh, in my engineering classes in a single day. I went and laid out in the lawn on campus and just stared at the sky for a long time. And that was, I mean, I don't know if that really helped me get through it, but it was just helping me process like what is actually happening and coming to terms with the fact that an engineer. Okay, um, so let's stop there. Yeah. So maybe one step, if you're listening to this right now and you're not in college, you already graduated and you're an engineer and you feel you're not an engineer. I, I just went on a backcountry ski trip because I'm an unbelievable skier. And this guy, Eric, was on the ski trip with me, who's even better than me. By the way, I was fourth out of 10 on this of the skiers every year. This year I was six because I gained a little bit of weight. Eric, I can he's probably the third best. Oh, Garrett, not Eric. Garrett. Garrett was an engineer and he hated it. And so he went to Spain for six months because he's a Gen Zer and Gen Zers just give up their $300,000 a year jobs and go to Spain. And he came back and started a solar business because he feels he's an entrepreneur and he found his way. So hit you laid on a lawn for a day looking at the sky. He went to Spain for six months looking at the sky. But maybe there's one element when you're at. And I, one of my one of my guests, Hassan, said when you're at your absolute low, that's when the opportunities come. So you flunk five tests, you've given up, you went and said, screw it, I'm going to go lay on the grass for an entire day and look at the clouds, which sounds yeah. awesome, by the way. And that's the first step of getting over this feeling of failure or getting over this feeling of not being excellent. You have to discover your excellence and you had gone down the wrong path and you're listening right now and you're on the wrong path. Go to Spain. Uh, although I, I just can't baffle giving up your job and going to Spain because I'm not a Gen Zer. Uh, go lay on a lawn. So step one was to just lay there. And then what happened on the lawn and what was the next step? Yeah. Laying there, laying there, like I said, helped me actually come to terms with, okay, now I have to reevaluate up to this point. I was desperately clinging on to this thing that was still like, I could feel it slipping away from, you know, that's like that moment. Now I reevaluate. It took months, uh, months went by and I still didn't really know what I was going <laughs> to do. My next semester, I, I, I didn't, choose a new major or anything. I just kind of took some, some gen ed classes and, you know, it was early college. I could still fill my schedule with, you know, general requirements, but then the very beginning of the semester after someone came into my class, like the classic college work story said, Hey, does anyone want an internship? I was like, I got nothing better to do. I want an internship and started down that path. Um, so yeah, I, got, I got nothing better to do with every single weekend of my spring, 100 hours a week of my summer. Why not go do the hardest thing I could possibly do? So let's let's look at your path then. Yeah. So step one, lay on the figurative lawn. You just found out that you're on the wrong, wrong path. You, you're in the wrong major. By the way, if you're in an engineering major, just finish the engineering degree. I mean, might as well get the degree. You're already there. You don't have to be an engineer. If you're in the sciences, might as well do it because it says that you're a hard worker. You're going to use that mathematical mind later in life. And even though you're selling, um, you're in the vertically integrated real estate world and you're in the sales sales management side, you're still using that engineering mind. So that's a side note. Step one, go lay on the figurative lawn. And acceptance. Yeah. Step two, come to terms. So the coming to terms is not I'm a failure, I'm a loser. It's this isn't right for me. Something else will be. So there's got to be the positive with the negative. So coming to terms is coming to terms with the fact that you're going down the wrong path, but also coming to terms that there will be another path out there. That's an important step. You'll get to it in step four. Step three is take time and be patient. 
So for you, you laid on the lawn for one day, but it still took six months. For Garrett, maybe when he went to Spain, he laid on a lawn for a day. It took him six months. And then how does an yeah. engineer start a start a solar business? I don't know. I'll probably get him on the show. How do you go into real estate? Mm, I don't know. Serendipity. You're sitting in a class. Someone comes in and makes an announcement. You go, why not? So you have to, in that step four, look for another option. And maybe it's the wrong option, right? You're not running a construction company, uh, but you develop some skills so you could do other things. So you're, you, it's the coming to terms and being open to another path. So you're at University of Maryland. You've just laid on the lawn. You're now coming to terms. Someone pops into the class and you do the college works gig. And so that yeah. kind of gave you your confidence back because you crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could add a step five, I think one of the step, uh, step five there is, is to take action, you know, and, and not, and you don't need to put pressure on, on the action. You don't need to think, well, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? You just, just do something because do something. you, you got to do something. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a key thing is just do something. If it doesn't work out, go do something different. But do so, that, something. so that's interesting. So if it, if it was vector marketing or if it was some other great program, maybe you would have done that and that would have done fine for you. But in this case, it was a stupid painting business, College Works, and uh, you went into that program. And so just give us a quick, you know, what are we going to do about College Works? What were, your, what were your top three lessons or top three confidence builders in College Works? And how old were you? Were you a sophomore, junior? So, yeah, sophomore was my, I, I did College Works for two years, actually. Uh, my first year was sophomore year. Sophomore and junior. junior, okay. Yeah. But so the the biggest biggest lessons. I mean, the overarching theme um, for me was uh, you know was just internalizing and understanding that uh, the area outside of my comfort zone is where is where the good stuff happens. You know, it's, huh. that's that's where the growth happens. Um, and I know, I mean, college rest, people would explicitly say that you know get outside your comfort zone, get outside your comfort zone. But um, I, I don't think it could be more true. How can you grow if you're in your own bubble all the time? Uh, and so that was that was one of the most impactful takeaways for me with college works. I think the other biggest uh, the other biggest things might have been uh, more related to the like the skills that I learned, uh, not necessarily overarching life lessons, but just like understanding that uh, understanding how to sell and understanding the mentality. You know, when 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 you're out there trying to make things happen, like those skills really translated into my, into the early stages of my career and still impact me. Yeah. And, and just for the listeners, uh, what is the comfort zone? The comfort zone is what you do every day. What, what's normal for you? What, what feels real easy outside the comfort zone is the things you're uncomfortable with. And when you step outside your comfort zone, you become comfortable with that and your comfort zone grows. And I always use the high dive analogy. First time you jump off a diving board, you stand there for five minutes and you're scared and you walk down the ladder. And then eventually you jump off the high dive and over and over and over, and now you're comfortable uh, on a high dive, but you're not comfortable on a five meter until you go do that over and over and over. So you're yeah. uncomfortable with marketing. You're uncomfortable with pitching yourself to older people. You're uncomfortable being a boss. You're uncomfortable with time management. You're uncomfortable with working hard. You're uncomfortable with being driven like a dog. Um, yeah. You're uncomfortable with all those. But um, eventually that becomes part of your comfort zone. And what did it do for you? What, why is it important that sales skills in whatever your career is or time management or being out on your own negotiating with a 60-year-old or 
dealing with the problem where you screwed something up that's $10,000 problem that you got to fix. So how did getting out of your comfort zone uh, and doing this crazy stuff that felt uncomfortable kind of prepare you for becoming more successful in the other things you did after you got out of college? Yeah, I mean, almost paradoxically, it made me comfortable getting outside of my comfort zone. So it was the first time, CollegeWorks was the first time that I really just like dove headfirst out of that little imaginary bubble. And seeing, uh, just having the success that I did with doing that and, and experiencing all the growth that I did stepping outside of my comfort zone, it made me go, okay, well, that's kind of a requirement. That's something I need to go and do. And so when I got into my, uh, actually, immediately after college, I had never even considered uh, moving to Seattle. And I met this girl who was going to be moving to Seattle. I uh, thought she was really cool. So I was like, I'm going to move out to Seattle with you. Is that cool? I had known her for almost no time at all. Never knew anything about Seattle. And a few weeks later, here I am living in Seattle. With her and in the same house? With her in the same house. Are you still with her? Still with her. Are you married? <laughs> Going to be. You yeah. better get your shit together and marry that girl. Oh my yeah. god, that's a crazy story. She must. Have, I mean, that, that's a that's a flip of a coin. Oop, you are a total freak. No way, Jack. Or <laughs> yeah. now you're living together for the rest of your life, and you're gonna have a fa new family tree. Wow, crazy. Yeah, no, definitely uh, an unexpected thing. But I think it's just a great example of like to me, it was no. It, it was nothing really to leave my comfort zone. It was just like, well, you know, we're going to try this and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, and then, and then being in Seattle led to me getting into the job that I'm in now. I mean, and, and part of that was actually uh, my college works, my experience in college works made, made getting that job really easy um, because I had no problem knocking on the door of the business and, and showing up and showing up in a suit. It was just like, Hey, my name's Jack. I want a job. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I just showed up right at the door, which is something that I had learned in college works. But ultimately that, that uh, experience getting outside of my comfort zone, I, I could point to so many things in my, uh, and, and say how that initial experience with college works ultimately led to me being quote unquote comfortable being uncomfortable. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. Yeah, so I, I, that's a, such a great way to think about it. I always think about, you know, you expand your comfort zone, your comfort zone grows. I like the way you say it better. If you continuously expand your comfort zone, 
not only does your comfort zone grow, but you get comfortable getting out of your comfort zone. So it rapidly grows. That's fantastic. And so you, you became comfortable getting out of your comfort zone at work. You became comfortable getting out of your comfort zone at interactions. And it tied to everything. Well, I'm going to be this weird dude that, how long did you know this girl before you said, I'm going to move to Seattle with you? Two months. You know, my parents were married after knowing each other for two months. They met each other. And my mom dumped her fiance. My mom was on vacation with her fiance no. from England. They met my dad at a party at his house. He was sick. My dad comes out to meet this British lady. They hung out all night. She dumped her fiance. They got married and they're still married. How crazy. Wow. Have you got the, what's the girl's name, by the way? Cat Katarina. Oh, that's a cool name. Did you buy yeah. a ring for her yet? I haven't bought a ring for her yet. We've, we've agreed that that sounds like a 30 year old thing to do. A 30 is 30 year old old. It's pretty old to me. Oh, you don't do it until you're 30 or only 30 year olds buy rings. No, no, no. Like that, it, it, that just sounds like something that we don't need to worry about right now. That's kind of where we're at. You know, we have, we, we, we own two houses together. Like we are intertwined, but you know, we, we, uh, so you're not you know, ready to make the, make the full commitment is what you're saying. No, no, I would do it today. I would do it today if, if it felt like we needed to do it. But it's just one of those things where we, I don't think we need to, per se. I, just, just so you know, I'm just trying to mess with you because I know Katarina is going to be listening to this. So I was, <laughs> yeah. I was hoping to lock you down to, yeah, I bought a ring. If you, if, she if she if doesn't you, know about it yet. We could, we could dissect, dissect our views on marriage and, and government contracts and so on and so forth. But, I but that's not like what that. this show's about. I will, say, tangent. I will say the only comfortable thing in my life yeah. Is my marriage. That's the only, I live an uncomfortable challenge your comfort zone life. The yeah. only thing comfortable is that, and I don't have my ring because I lost it on Delta airlines after hanging out with your buddy, Jeff Gunnis, who owes me $7,000 for my ring. Um, Jeff, the only comfortable thing is marriage, but I'm an old man and I'm well over 30. So we'll leave it at that. So your steps to excellent, you got strong moral character. You're possessing superior skills but part of the program of getting the superior skills is challenging your comfort and getting out there and doing new things that become comfortable so you get better and better and better at them. So what was your biggest struggle at CollegeWorks? And how'd you get through it? Yeah, I appreciate you saying I have superior skills. I, I don't know if I would go that far about myself, but as far as my biggest uh as far as my biggest uh, challenge at, at uh, college works, I mean, the first one was like right off the bat opening weekend, you know, there's always those people who go, they get like 60 leads, you know, they get 70 leads. It took me, I think five weeks to gather eight leads. I just got no leads of any sort. And my first week was in a snowstorm. So I'm out there just absolutely freezing. Like, I mean, the, the, the first few weeks were just a serious challenge of, uh, you know, challenge my willpower. Cause it was like, I'm just out there knocking on door after door after door in the freezing cold, getting absolutely no results. Um, so that was challenge one that I had to overcome was just staying positive and being like, it's going to happen. It's going to work. We're going to get through it. Uh, meanwhile, you know, hearing, oh, this person's already booked 15 K in, in work. This person's already got a hundred leads, so on and so forth. That was that was challenge one. Challenge two was, I mean, was was kind of so, so that out. challenge was maintaining confidence in yourself. That challenge was believing in yourself. That challenge, the challenge was not learning how to get leads because that's the easy part. Right. The, yeah. The challenge yeah, the was sticking to it, even though yeah. you're failing. And that's a yeah. character measurement. Right. 
you measure you there there there's a this cheesy movie and there's a line in the cheesy movie that says when one looks into the abyss that's when they discover their true character and the movie's called the abyss so you're looking into the abyss and you're not giving up so your first challenge was to dig deep and make it happen and it yeah. worked for you it worked for me too you sucked beyond belief and you were yeah. the least excellent in the entire company because nobody went five weeks getting eight leads. It's almost an unbelievable story. And if anybody in college is listening right now, see, I told you so. I told you that people don't have to get 60 leads their first week out. Don't give up on the people that are just starting. So you believed in yourself despite everything telling you that you wouldn't and you made it through through perseverance. And give me one more. Yeah. And the, the next, I mean, the next challenge I faced was actually booking deals on my own. We had great success with the leads that I got uh, when my DM and I went out and, and did some, uh, got some contracts together. And I think we booked like 17 K in, in my first weekend of doing estimates, which was like a huge high all of a sudden out of ha after having all this failure. And then there was another spurt of failure where I don't think I booked another deal until the summer. It was like, like all the way up until maybe the end of the of the spring semester there when I actually got another contract. It was just like estimate after estimate. No, 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 because I just couldn't close. And so that was, and then that challenge wasn't as much about believing in myself because at that point I had, I had gotten through that and I was just like, okay, I went through all that stuff. I'm going to do this. At that point, it was more about the skills and, and. Yeah, stop um, being a weenie. Right. Close exactly. It. Yeah. Push it. To ask those questions and, and not take no for an answer until no is like very, very, very clearly. Yeah. If you don't get into a fight, it's not worth even going out there. Right. And I'm not talking a physical fight, but you're going to do a deal. Sometimes you got to fight it out, get a no or a yes. So you learn to fight it out. OK. And I'm, yeah. by the way, shout out to uh, Katarina's mom and Jack's mom. I'm sorry about these beliefs on marriage. Uh, we'll see if I can work on these two because I know it's destroying your mothers. Uh, back to what we're talking about today. Um, so let's get in to Fly Homes, which sounds like an awesome business based out of Seattle. Yeah. Flyhomes.com, by the way, if you're looking for a job with Fly Homes, they're looking to hire people that have done crazy out of the box, difficult things to prove that they can continue to do crazy, difficult things. They're looking for people that are out of their comfort zone to get them further out of their comfort zone. So you can go to flyhomes.com if you want to buy a house with cash, unless you're a flipper. And uh, you can also find Jack Schwabeland, S-C-H-W-A-B-E-L-A-N-D on LinkedIn. He'd love to talk to you about a job if you're looking to get in the real estate business. So you guys are a vertically integrated real estate business. You do the brokering, you do the mortgages, you do closing. And basically what you do is you upfront give people, well, you don't give it to them, but you upfront have access for someone like me that wants to go buy a house. And in this crazy market, I got to go in there and I've got my pre-approved mortgage. And they're like, no, I want the cash buyer. And you got the billionaire down the street and you got the person that just won the lottery that actually have cash. You turn the average everyday person into a lottery winner because they have to have good credit, I'm assuming. They have to be upstanding and they have to have morals, but they can come in and they can put cash down, close faster, get the deal done. And then you worry about refinancing it later. So what's what what exactly did I miss anything on fly homes? Is that a pretty good explanation of it? No, it's a great explanation. Uh, the one the one thing I'll, the one thing I'll add is, you know, really our ultimate goal is to create the the world's best home buying experience. And that and that cash offer part is is just one part of that equation, because 
obviously it's a better experience if you actually get the house you want instead of losing the house you want to someone with that, with cash. Okay. And to the CEO of Fly Homes to achieve your vision, you got to buy the house for me. I don't want to pay for it. The world's best home buying experience <laughs> is someone else pays for the house, but you're going to smooth out the actual painful, miserable process of going out there and getting denied because someone else has cash and the miserable process of going through the mortgage stress, which I just refined my house. I had a pretty good, Sky Marshall did a pretty good job for me. It was the least stress I've had, but you're taking the stress and misery out of it. You're not doing what you should do and buy people's homes for them, which I hope that you guys someday achieve your vision or are able to do that for at least me. Um, and you have this weird job title. So you are the program yeah. manager of sales enablement. So I need to know two things from you. What the hell does that mean? And what was your path to that leadership position at whatever young age you are? You got to be pretty damn young if you think 30s old, because I don't even think 50s old and I am. 50. It's funny. I just I was just uh, buying a, a new office chair for myself. And the uh, the lady was just making small talk. And I said, oh, so what do you do? And said, I'm a sales, you know, I'm a program manager for sales enablement. And she was like, what is that? Yeah. It's it's very uncommon. Uh, it's, it's Sales enablement is a relatively uh, new field, actually. It's only been over the last 10 years that this kind of area uh, of the business world has started to develop. But uh, what I do, ultimately, sales enablement is, is my job is to think of and implement solutions that will enable people to sell easier. So we have a 300-person sales team at Fly Homes. And I have to think about how can I make it so that I add- How many, how many people? About 300 right now. Wow. That's just the sales team. We have about over a thousand people. Wasn't it um, just a startup a couple of years ago? Yeah, well, I was I was fortunate enough when I joined, uh, there was, uh, I think I was like right around employee number 75, 80, something like that. And yeah, we've grown, we've grown so tremendously. Uh, our, our mission has just been so validated by the industry. There's so many copycat companies out there. We've since I've been there raised over two hundred million dollars in, in venture funding, and and plenty more in debt financing. And so, wow. So um, I, I guess the home buying experience is miserable. And someone was waiting. Who, who's your founder? Uh, his name is. Uh, well, we have two founders. Their names are Tushar Garg and Stephen Lane. Tushar is our current CEO. So Tushar and Stephen, uh, someone. I guess I guess you found the thing that people really needed. Congratulations on your growth. Don't forget my free house because we're plugging the shit out of your company on this. Uh, on this podcast. And I need an expensive one too, by the way. Okay. So you got 300 salespeople. Yeah. Don't we have yeah. fun on this show? Isn't this fun? Great time. I told you it was going to be easy. All right. So you got 300 salespeople. You got this new, nobody ever heard of, I haven't even heard of it before. I have a career website, a career podcast. So sales enablement, continue with what you do for these 300 salespeople. Yeah. So I have to, I have to think about what are the, what are actually the processes that everyone is following to sell and what inhibits that process or maybe not even what inhibits it, just what is something that I could do that would make it easier for all of them um, to do their jobs or to learn or so on and so forth. So you can think of my job as kind of an intersection between sales and product. On one hand, I have to have some sales knowledge and I, you know, you, you kind of have to know what it takes to sell. And so my first two years at Fly Homes were on the sales team. And so I, I have to know what the actual sales process is. Could, could you end up being the program manager of sales enablement if you came from the product side too? Are there two paths to that to that job? You know, I, I think you you could. Uh, you, you certainly could. Um, it would be important to have some knowledge of sales, I think. 
Okay. That's that's my own bias though, because I come from a place of like sales thinking. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, whoa, this sounds cool to me. I like sales and we're going to get digging even deeper. Um, or you're thinking, wow, I like the intersection of the sales and the product and analyzing the product and how it fits with the sales program and which products are better and which sales systems are better. You can be a driver influencer coming out. And I don't think you're a driver influencer either, Jack. You went into sales. I think you're more of a compliant, a conscientious influencer. Did I ever do this test with you? You did not. Okay. Um, but we do it for a lot of people. Uh, so you, there's a disc test episode. You can listen to it, but you could be either of the personality halves. I know there's four, but really there's two. You could be either and end up, but in any career you are, if you want to be on the edge of excellence, you got to be able to sell your ideas. You got to be able to listen to people. You got to be able to interact. You got to be able to negotiate. So you're kind of negotiating the products and the sales program to make it easier for people to deliver what what they want. You're obviously good at it because your business is growing so fast. Yeah. And, and the sales really comes in, in my job, one, in just understanding the process and how people sell. But two is a lot of the time, my solutions will cost a lot of money. One of our, our more recent solutions, you know, cost over half a million dollars to bring out to the team, just in upfront costs alone, not even in labor required to actually implement it. And so um, I have to, you know, be able to present a really compelling vision and, and explanation for why are we going to spend all this money? And so, so uh, if you were sales, a crappy salesperson and yeah. you had an idea that's a half a million dollars and you couldn't sell it to the team and they didn't spend the money, you wouldn't have 300 salespeople right now. You'd have 200. And those two founders wouldn't be making the big bucks that they're making, enabling them to buy me a house. They wouldn't be able to do that. So your sales skills brought something to the business that it wouldn't have had, even though it's the right thing, without your ability to pitch it and convince people and negotiate it. Yeah, that's that's correct. And, you know, I, I have enough belief in our founders that I think they'd have figured it out even without me. But I definitely think I have made the process <laughs> easier. Because, <laughs> you, you know, they're listening now. We yeah. already we already yeah. plugged Arjun. We know they're getting this podcast. Yeah, right on. No, they 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 do a great job. They really do. It's a really, really good company to work with. And so, but, you know, I, I certainly have, I've certainly assisted in the process. I think everyone on the team has, especially at that early group, you know, in the, in the early days, it was sink or swim. You know, I was lucky enough to be there for part of that. And so, yeah, it's, it, it's this uh, interesting, ultimately, practically speaking, what, what it, what it boils down to is a lot of the time um, I'm looking at how can we level up our tech suite uh, in order to make things faster, more efficient and easier. Uh, for the salespeople. So back um, back to your growth. You start off, you're this uh, perfect for Seattle too. You got the long hair, you got the skateboard, but you're not a freestyle skater, perfect for Seattle. You're cruising around Green Lake on that little path there, having a nice yeah. time. And I know you lived in Green Lake, so did my brother. Shout <laughs> yeah. out to Jerome, so did my parents. And, you know, deep down inside, you got this tech backbone. And you figured out through serendipity again. Oh my gosh, there it is again. Because it's your gut, right? Your gut is telling you what you love and you're going through life and you got your process. You lay on your lawn. You uh, come to terms with whatever's going on, good or bad. You take some time and your gut's telling you, wait a second, I'm in sales. I love sales. There's this new thing. I get to bring my analytical side back. I get to bring that little piece of me that really is an engineer back. And I get to analyze some of the tech 
opportunities. And some, most of them are horrible. So you got to have that understanding to what's user-friendly. You know that from your video game days. What's going to um, catch on and have millions of users? You know that from your video game days. So you're using this stuff that's been building up because excellence is a path. We never, well, some people do, like Palmer Lucky, he achieved it. Good, good job, Palmer. Uh, we don't quite, most of us don't quite get there. We're always on that edge of it. And you're identifying these ways to make life easier, partially because you were at college where so we didn't have the greatest systems, maybe. Like, God, I wish I would have had that there. So your whole job is to make the world of sales more productive, more, a little bit easier uh, to, 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 to get more out of the time spent, to get more out of the money spent, to make this organization get more bang for their buck. So you're the person that takes the salesperson to 120%. You can't get to 120% unless there's a, uh, what's your title again? I got to read it again. Where did I put it here? Your title is program, program manager. manager of sales go. enablement. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't yep. get to 120%. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the best salesperson is still limited by the process and the systems that they're selling within. And so uh, that's exactly right. Even if you're the best possible salesperson in our company today, you can do X number of deals. And if I'm doing my job well, uh, next year you can do X plus one number of deals. Uh, so you have, you have next level. You have finance. You have people, process, strategy. So obviously the company has a great strategy. Uh, you can tell by the results. You're going to get better people with a better strategy, better finance. But you're the guy that's going in there coming up with better processes. And a lot of times, shout out to all the leadership in your business. A lot of times people don't focus on the process. Oh, these people are idiots. Get new people. No, they're not. I hear it in my own company. I hear it at College Works. Oh, they're not any good. Well, you hired them. What are you talking about? They're not good. No, we need to support them better. So you're the support them better department. Okay. Yes. I, I think we got it. I, I don't know. I don't know if you get as heated as I do when you do podcasts, but I'm sweating here. I'm loving this one. All right. Actually, one one thing, uh, step talking about stepping out of the comfort zone. Um, I actually was the, I I started this this function at Fly Homes after being on the sales team and realizing, man, the, I could sell so much so much more if if this process was better. Stepped out of the comfort zone. Thank you, College Works, for making me comfortable with that. Wrote up a job description and then advocated it for it until they created until they created the job for me. So no wonder I've never heard of it. You invented it. So, wow, I, I'm starting to love your company. I, and I, I hear you talking about they're taking investments. I hope I'm on the list uh, uh, if you ever, ever go public. I'm starting to love it. So this, this group is so awesome that, and you're so awesome that you come in and you're saying, hey, we can do better than this. I've invented this new role. So there you go. There you go. If you're listening to this, you want to get to the edge of excellence, you got to come up there and come up with things that are out of the box. So you invent this out of the box role to make everything better and and just stop for a second. If you're listening in the car right now, what have you done for your company lately? What have you done? Because Gen Z, and I know you're in Gen Z, it's all about what are you guys going to do for me? This company's going to be so great for me. I'm going to prosper. We don't give a shit. What are you going to do for the business? So you invented this whole way to get the plus one that you just talked about it. I love it. What's the best part about working for Fly Homes? Best part about working for Fly Homes, the T-shirt, um, the T-shirt, working from home. Actually, we had some pretty, we have some pretty good swag. Yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's just a really solid company overall. 
it's it's hard to point to any one thing uh, because they're pretty good in every aspect. There's not one shining distinction. One, my work life, just like flexibility working from home is fantastic. Being that I work on projects in the longer term, I kind of just work you know, at my pace when I need to. Obviously, I have dates to deliver on and deadlines to deliver on. I feel like I'm in charge, uh, you know, of my schedule, which is awesome. And obviously you're busy. You're not working at home 25 hours a week. You're working at home 50 hours a week. So working yeah. at home is for people that are self-motivated. You proved yourself motivated at college work because you were working at home and you continually to deliver. I had a hard time setting the schedule up with you because you're so damn yeah. busy. So if you're working at home right now, what have you done for your company lately? So that's th- this freedom. There's a lot of freedom, it sounds like. Sounds like a lot of acceptance of ideas. Acceptance of ideas. You know, uh, there was, there's, there's also just a great people culture, like especially if you're on the sales teams. For me, my work's a little, it's a, I, don't, I don't have as, as wide of a team. My team is all of the different teams that I go and interact with. For, uh, you know, while on the sales team, we have a fantastic culture within the sales team. Um, I we used to always go do events and all of this. They still happen. I say we used to because I'm not on the team anymore. But, you know, fantastic company culture. Uh, pay is great. <laughs> the pay is is really great. And I, I never but not great enough. That. You deserve a raise. Oh, of course. Yeah, I would love a raise. <laughs> I would love a raise. Uh, benefits are great. You know, it's just all around, it's all around really solid. There isn't necessarily one thing that I would say is like the thing, um, but I've got no complaints. Well, I'll say to you what people say to me, they say, wow, most people don't love their job. How lucky you are to love your job. So I'm stoked. You found a job you love. I'm stoked. You found a company you love. I got one question for you that before we wrap it up, I always ask this question. What sacrifices did you make in your earlier 20s, since you're not out of them yet, in your earlier 20s that you'll never regret you would tell yourself to make all over again? What sacrifices? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't really think I, I, I made that. I mean, I guess you, you could say I made sacrifices. I don't view them as sacrifices. You know, I, I didn't, you know, thinking back to like my college works experience, I guess I sacrificed plenty of like weekends and, and like, you know, those type you know, the, the college types of things where you're, you know, going to parties, doing this and that. Um, I sacrificed that, I guess you could say, but I've, I don't view it as such. To me, that was what I needed to be doing in order to, to grow. I, I associate the word sacrifice with, I had to like pick between two things I really wanted to do. And uh, to me, it was like, there was always an obvious answer. And that was do what's going to help me grow. So I, I don't know if I can really answer well, that question. Well, you, you, you sacrifice distractions and that's okay. That's okay. You had an opportunity to go to a party. You went to work. That's a mini sacrifice. You don't look at it that way, uh, but we'll take it. And I got one sacrifice for uh, Katerina's mom and for your mom. Go out and buy a ring, buddy. Uh, and with that, I'm going to close it up. Jack, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Edge of Excellence. Um, this is in my, I can't remember when I had more fun with, so I'll, I'll give it in the top five. I had a great time talking great. to you today. Jack, thank you so much for making time to come on the show there in beautiful Denver and for sharing all your wisdom with everybody today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you having me. I was happy to share. And, um, you know, do reach out to me if you are looking for sales jobs in the real estate business, we got him. Yeah, again, Jack is on LinkedIn, S-C-H-W-A-B-E-L-A-N-D, Schwabeland. It is spelled how it sounds, Jack Schwabeland on LinkedIn. You can also go to flyhomes.com. Make sure to mention that Jack sent you. Have a great day on your search for excellence. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.